Hey, Morgan. Hey, Isabel. How's it going? Pretty good. How's it going with you? Not bad. I got I got a little something that I'd like to nuzzle in with you on. Well, does it have anything to do with that banana in your pocket? Sure does. It's a roll of quarters and a banana. It's a boner on us. <laughs> Double fist in boners. It's a roll of quarters and a banana. There's one in each pocket. Let's get this started. Let's get this started. This week's boner is about webtoons. Webtoons. A community of art and romance and also a lot of other stuff. Emphasis on the other stuff. (laughs) So I've got a question for you. Hit me. How did you learn about Webtoon? Instagram ad. Nice. It was a Laura Olympus ad and I thought it looked really pretty. Mm-hmm. So the Instagram ad opens up straight on to the comic mm-hmm. and I read through one strip and I was immediately like, next, mm-hmm. next, next. And got really frustrated because I closed out my Instagram app and I didn't know what I'd been looking at. So I think I Googled like Hades, Persephone and found Webtoons almost immediately from that. Yep. How did you learn about Webtoons? The youths. Which ones? So I volunteer for this really great organization and I was talking to one of the girls that I was tutoring and she's like, you seem like a nerd. What do you know about Greek mythology? And I was like, I don't know. I know some stuff. And she's like, what do you think about Hades and Persephone? And I was like, the story? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, I guess I'm kind of into it. Like, you know, she eats the pomegranate and she's like, I haven't gotten to that part yet. I was like, what do you mean you haven't gotten to that part yet? And then she whips out her phone and I was like, holy shit, I need to download this app immediately. And then she also made several recommendations to me. It turns out webtoons have been around. We're going to tie this into the topic of the show. Don't worry. Romance novels. Webtoons are a Korean originating form of comic that started off where people would just scan comic strips and make them vertical and they would put those online. They would also print them sometimes, which is so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how webtoons started. It's a kind of manga. It has the endless canvas of the web. And so mm-hmm. it's like this really interesting form format, an easy format and pleasurable format to read. But one of the most popular genres of webtoon, unsurprisingly, is romance. And it's super unapologetic about it. So when I downloaded the app, I was so happy to see not only they're like, oh, you like Laura Olympus, then you should check out the entire aggregate chapters of all of our romances. And here's the new one. And it sends you updates about the new romance that launches. And like one of the things that I love about that frankness is of course romance is popular and of course it's popular in a visual and literary medium and of course it's always been popular in manga and like you know romances feature heavily in manga and anime so you know to have that marriage but also one of the things that I find deeply fascinating about webtoons is that a lot of the artists talk about their beginning on deviant art which is a space yeah yeah which is a space I spend a lot of time on not unlike when I watch a favorite fan fiction writer make the move into self-publishing or traditional publishing and I'm like you go I loved your Harry Potter fic and now look at you I follow this other webtoon besides Laura Olympus called uh, The Doctor and Miss Abbott which is just a delight and her fans will continue to bring up her deviant art status in the comment section they're like look how far you've come and I'm like that's adorable to have your fans at the bottom of your you know newest panel being like I'm so proud of you 
That's adorable. It's just very earnest. Well, it also reminds me of one of my favorite things. One of my favorite experiences of reading webtoons is kind of refracts with reading a romance novel is that it is a lot like reading a fan fiction in that immediately a part of a community. Mm-hmm. Each strip has a comment section on the webtoons app. Webtoons is the only app I've used and I'm realizing how little I... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, but being able to read comics, comments and participate in a discussion and a dialogue with that much immediacy mm-hmm. is so interesting. And then also, of course, it's like fan art galore mm-hmm. and the, the authors are reposting fan art and showing mm-hmm. cosplay and stuff on their Twitters. It has that richness of community mm-hmm. that I think is so intoxicating. And I was reading some blogs regarding romance webtoons and like the nature of romance webtoons, trying to gain some like more insight besides the fact that I just like it. Some of them are just so beautiful to look at and you know they use music and sometimes they have animation and like the negative space Mm -hmm. and it's just a real pleasure to read and look at. Looking at things is one of my favorites but I wanted to kind of get at the nature of romance because the happily ever after is something that I continue to kind of mull over my head near constantly. (laughs) Like I don't think people realize like I go on walks on my lunch break and I'll spend most of the time thinking about the happily ever after and what that means and what it's at odds with and what it's connected with and its specificities and its broadness. And anyways, so I wanted to find out if I was guaranteed a happily ever after in webtoons. And there's very little discussion of HEA just because it's such a continuous medium. Mm -hmm. It's like a serialized, ever-evolving, posting every week, almost like a television show. Very much so. So there's no way of knowing where it's going to end up. Like there is a world where the new girl doesn't end up with Nick and Jess together. Mm-hmm. We didn't know for a lot of years. We didn't know if, if the new girl was going to have that kind of HEA. Well, they won't they? Exactly. And that kind of ongoing slow burnness of it. Sure. That doesn't feel like a slow burn. I wondered if people were reading romance webtoons because of the HEA. And in actuality, because there is no guarantee even of an ending, mm-hmm. <laughs> let alone like, you know, there is no after. So why would there be a happily ever after? It really, for me, emphasizes the other pleasures of romance, Mm -hmm. which are, you know, the butterflies, the idea of being seen in a different way, especially with connecting with the heroine. I think it happens in a way more visceral way for me with webtoons because I'm seeing a form. So one of the questions I'm interested in is what can our pleasure of reading romance webtoons tell us about the pleasure of reading romance? Do you have any thoughts? I have lots of thoughts, Morgan. (laughs) I think the pleasure of reading a romance in a more visual form is exactly what you said. And one of the things that I found, especially with reading much more contemporary romance novels, is that they hit the beats, like cinematic screenplay beats. It's like you could almost put a rom-com onto some more contemporary romances now and they like hit like at 25, there's like the end of act one and like there's something is revealed. And then like, you know, at like page, you know, 150, there's like the first non-penetrative sex scene and like it really hits its beats. And I think one of the things about a non-guaranteed ending is that you're constantly holding your audience, but also every everything else in this like sublime suspense which is like the perfect place to hold a romance and it's like I think that's one of the reasons why like the slow burn of X-Files continues to be pleasurable to come back to with Mulder and Scully up until like season six. I've been thinking about slow burn 
And the romances of Webtoon, because like a couple of the romances are like actually very well established. Like there's this one called Purple Hyacinth that takes place in space that sort of has a firefly feel. And there's a very established central romance in sort of like in the same way with Firefly. Regina Torres and Alan Tudyk have this well established romance. And so like there isn't any suspense. There is no will they, won't they, because they already have. And it's like we're living in the pleasant and sublime after in their story. And then the will they, won't they is with other characters and one of the things that's so great about a continuation rather than an ending is that you really get to play in the space of other characters and this is where I've been thinking about it specifically because you and I have never read a series in total on the podcast and one of the things that is special about romance is that you have all of these ancillary and even secondary characters that take center stage later and what's interesting about webtoons is that the later doesn't happen in a second book it happens for like 12 or 18 panels in this like weird digression from the main story that is entirely pleasant to walk along. And in that way, I think like it's the movement of time that feels much more linear, but also whole. Whereas like a romance always feels like an eclipse or uh, just a brief moment or like just uh, a flash in the pan. And like you can imagine what they are doing later, but like you never really see a full romance again on stage. You see it move through other books, potentially, but maybe even potentially not. And so like this ongoingness I think is really delightful and moves into the romance genre as well because like we want to stay in these worlds. We want to stay with these characters. Even if we only like end up with their cousins or like their best friends or like they're like maiden aunts. It's like we want to stay with them. I also think this thing about time is so interesting for like the form of webtoons because like you described it, time is a wholeness. Like you can go back in time mm-hmm. and forward in time. Lore Olympus is the one I've read most thoroughly. I am all cut up. And it can do things with visual cues that are almost clunky if you do them in a text. Not that it's like easier to jump around in time with a visual medium. It's just you have more tools and you can do it in a lot more elegant ways Mm -hmm. like color cues and things like that. I don't know if it makes it more fun to write. It certainly makes it more fun to read. I think it's just it's flexible in a way. Yeah. It's like the scaffolding doesn't show as much because like you can have a color cue that calls back. Also like you can literally just scroll back up. Yeah. And that makes it easier. I would also say that Laura Olympus is just fun. Like that author is moving through all of the mediums and like, you know, makes the she characters. Just like a clip. But nothing has happened really. I would say like there have been three moves and like what, 90 comic strips. That's incredible to me. And the whole time I'm just like. <laughs> like way to build tension. Yeah. The whole thing is like we've had a meet cute. They've discovered each other's backstories for the most part. We know there's a mystery. Now they're like forced into proximity. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. For the actual like central love story, mm-hmm. we've had two moves. Right. And I think like there again, like because we pick up with Hera and Zeus and then we get like all of this backstory with Hades and like what is like childhoods. Oh, my God. Lousy with sad childhoods, aren't we? And like, I think these digressions just have more room to play. And like, Mm. you know, obviously this is a medium that's incredibly popular all across the globe. And, you know, Netflix has decided that it is also going to be a cash cow for them. And Laura Olympus was just picked up to by Jim Henson Corporation, which is working 
working mostly with Netflix now. It's going to be an animated series, which I was really pleased with that choice. As was I. Just because so much of it is about like the visual world that these webtoons create. But you're kind of hitting at something that I think we also want to compare and contrast. Certainly. Romance webtoons with romance novels. And that is commodification. Mm -hmm. Capitalism. I want to talk about webtoon coins. Do you have some? Will you give them to me? Yes and yes, because (laughs) I came to the end of Laura Olympus and... uh, You did buy the coins? Oh, fuck yes, I did. And I bought them because I was into Purple Hyacinth and also The Doctor and Miss Abbott. I came to the end of all of them like at the exact same time because I was like, oh, Laura Olympus is going to update once a week. I'm not going to buy the coins. And then like I came to the end of Miss Abbott and I was like, they update once a week. And then Purple Hyacinth. And I was like, well, going to get the coins. And and what's interesting about the three romances that I'm currently following religiously is that Laura Olympus doesn't have a Patreon. Mm -hmm. Miss Abbott does. Yeah. And Purple Hyacinth is sort of moving in between. Yes. they're PayPal. Yeah. So there are other ways that these authors can make money off of their work. But I'm interested also in the way Webtoons makes money off of their work with their tune bucks or whatever they're Mm -hmm. called, the gold coins. The exchange rate is 99 cents for, what is it, like 15 coins? Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. It should be a penny a coin. (laughs) Also, it takes five coins to unlock. (laughs) An episode or a strip or whatever. Right. Anyways, I am fighting it, but I have gotten onto a whole other hamster wheel of capitalism. Webtoons announced to me that I could earn five coins if Mm -hmm. I read a new webtoon every week. And Mm -hmm. I have my own little punch card Mm -hmm. and I've been doing it. And all it does is introduce me to more webtoons that I want to pay for. Very smart. So smart. (laughs) It is so smart because I'm in the place where I'm like, I'll just read this until I earn enough coins to buy a bunch of Lore Olympus because now I'm doing the same thing with Lore Olympus that I do with TV shows where I'm trying to like stock up so I can binge again. Indeed. Not a healthy habit. The trouble of our times. So I'm doing that and I'm like, as long as I read a new webtoon every day, I can earn more coins. It's just like, I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel. (laughs) And I also feel like it, is kind of reflective of the romance novel industry because Isabel, you and I, we've been to cons. Indeed we have. And a lot of the support group that is Romance Landia is about co-promotion, mm-hmm. elevating one another's voices mm-hmm. via, you know, providing a review or a blurb or, you know, going on a podcast. That happens a lot. And, and I think that's part of the thing about romance is like the readers are writers and the writers are readers. And I, I think that is also true of webtoons, but it's true in a different way. And like, there's something about, especially interview podcasts and like not to get like weird and meta about it, but it's like, there are people who listen to those podcasts who are looking to like boost their careers. And like, that isn't the thing that we're doing. Like the thing that we're doing is looking at the genre as a whole, looking at pieces of the genre, looking at the missteps of the genre, looking at like why the genre continues to operate in the way that it does, which doesn't necessarily lend itself to professionalization in the sense that some reader writers would Mm -hmm. listen to our show looking for a specific thing. And like, that's not what we have. Yeah. And I think what's interesting to me about the Webtoons monetization is like, it feels 
very callbacky to what Avon and Harlequin used to do. Mm. Where it's like, if you like this author, here are six authors like them. Sign up for the monthly four book yeah. group that will mail to your house, and yeah. then you'll get this author four times a year, plus all of these other people that you could discover, and then like write reviews yeah. for the Romance Times, and like in that way, it was like yeah. building its own brand in a very particular way that I think Webtoons is really smart about where it's like you build an audience of critics who can then signal boost what they like to other audience members who then can be turned on as critics Mm -hmm. and like in that way like you're building an entire ecosystem yeah and like I think that's one of the ways that like romance pioneered itself yeah building an entire ecosystem is Correct. I do think there's something different in the texture of Webtoons in that fans can engage directly with each and every chapter and engage with each other as much as they're engaging with the material. Totally. That is unique to romance webtoons. But I think having that outlet, I wonder how that reflects on the reader is the writer and the writer is the reader type of stuff. Because like you and I have never, well, I've personally never had, I don't want to speak for you, Mm -hmm. the drive to really write a romance novel. Like I've never felt a story in me of this ilk. And I think it's because I talk about it and think about it in this particular way. I think an animating factor is a desire to be a part of something. Mm -hmm. And if you are a part of it already, perhaps the drive to be a part of it in this like creator mother Mm -hmm. kind of way is lessened. But maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just making all that up. I will say I always wanted to write a romance novel. And then we started this podcast and like a desire has really taken a back burner because I love talking about them. And yeah. now I wonder if the thing is that I didn't just want to talk about romance yeah. novels all the time. And I didn't <laughs> yeah. actually ever really want to write one. I really just wanted to have and be a part of a community. And yeah. like, I read this thing on, I read a comment on Webtoons today while I was on the train. It was this amazing thing that happened in The Doctor and Miss Abbott. And the comment was, I am so here for this body positivity. The next comment was like, you don't know how much I needed this today. And then the comment after that was like, we should all be here for this body positivity Uh and I was like the way in which this thing now is a conversation not about the panel and Mm -hmm. not about the characters and not about what just happened is now a comment about the larger society that we all have to move in yeah Yeah. and like in that way it felt very like archive of our own and like all of my favorite spaces in fan fiction except like also this author is making money in like real time yeah off of this it's really interesting the idea of community and the idea of money are so the idea of money. <laughs> Money's not real, y'all. The idea of the way that community and capitalism are entwined or capital. It's an interesting way to look at webtoons versus romance novels. Because there is something about like having a tangible experience that I think is less relevant today than it was in the past because most of romance is read on an ebook. Mm-hmm. And so like this kind of leveling of technology, uh, this leveling of experience. I don't know. It just brings stuff out. And I think it allows for a world in which we get to imagine genre as affect rather than specific rules. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when I read reading the romance, there are specific rules to being a romance novel. But when I read a webtoon, I identify immediately, you know, I know when I see it, it's a romance, but I don't know if there's a happily ever after. And I don't see the like 
exact beats. They're not getting hit. There are all of these other ancillary stories. The wholeness of time exists. And so it's this way of kind of blowing up an idea, expanding it and making it more vague, but also allowing it to exist as a vague idea, which I think is so interesting because I really like this idea of thinking about the romance genre and genre in general is like rather than a series of rules as like affect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be curious of how your feelings about that would evolve, shape or shift by reading an entire series. Completing one. Mm-hmm. Are there complete series? On both Webtoon and in the romance. Well, novel. I yeah. know. In the ro- <laughs> I was thinking like in Webtoons. Yeah, just- there are several that have been completed in the romance category. And see how I would feel about it. Yeah. But I, I do think just speaking from a personal position... Like, I don't know if what I'm reading is going to have a happily ever after. I have the feeling that it is, Certainly. you know, but I I still have that instability. I mean, I went and Googled it to see if it would. So that's a thing. Yeah, I think like one of the <laughs> things that's nice about it is like, and, I, and I've, I think I've found this, especially with like a really good romance where you can live in the suspense of like, what if this doesn't work out? And like, that is the place where romance novels crackle. It's like, are we going to be able to overcome the obstacle and it's like there's safety in knowing that we will because we only have 79 pages left (laughs) but like you know if you have a really good romance novel like I can honestly believe I'm like oh man if you guys don't get together like I get why this other thing about community I don't know if this is worthwhile keeping in this conversation but just like as a side note about what we do here on Womance (laughs) I think so much of romance criticism has existed in like a very small academic pocket Mm -hmm. that is super separate from the writers and the readers themselves and and really takes pride in that separateness as a way of being able to interrogate what's happening and and we've spoken before about the fact that so much of romance scholarship is actually anthropological as a social science rather than a humanities study and other genres don't have that no (laughs) they do not there's a lot of assholes like me and Isabeau and sci-fi and like there are no holy grails I mean there are but the people who honestly believe they're holy grails are kind of seen as like I don't want to say jokes yeah I mean nothing is sacred because like nothing can be sacred to the academy because like that's the job of the academy yeah but even thinking about it as like outside of academia like a fantasy novel comes out or a science fiction novel comes out it's not getting covered exclusively by the sci-fi and fantasy trade papers like whenever you know the New York Post covers a horror novel it doesn't do so with the intent of selling more of that novel Mm -hmm. whereas I feel the project of so much press, media, pop culture, stuff like what we're doing Mm -hmm. because we're not getting like peer reviewed and we're Mm -hmm. not getting published is more in line, I think, with something that like a a critic would do rather than an academic. And I think a lot of romance like critics, their larger project is to get people to buy the book as opposed to just talk about it. That's interesting because I would push back on that a little bit. I would say, especially now that NPR, the New York Times and the Washington Washington Post all have a dedicated I actually just got the NPR update about the romances I should read this Mm -hmm. month and I think you're right it is to sell books but the other thing is the work that those reviewers and critics are now doing is building 
cachet is the wrong word, but it's like building it into the mainstream where it's like what this happened to sci-fi in the mid seventies. Oh, where they're doing that thing where they're like, it's actually good. Right. And you would like it. And it's yeah. not just for your, like your mom and her bathtub in the eighties. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, that. I understand that. And part of that project is a sell book, certainly. But I think yeah. part, the other part of that project is to mainstream. make it mainstream. Yeah. yeah. I do want people to understand like everyone who has a vested interest in making a genre mainstream is also has a vested interest in making money off of the genre ourselves included hello please subscribe to our patreon we just <laughs> want to talk about it rigorously and bring it into the mainstream and or you know not so rigorously don't hold us to being deep all the time because <laughs> we will disappoint you i mean we already have <laughs> we're human it's 2019 yes we disappoint ourselves not sure if we disappoint Nick. Probably not. Nick's such a good person. He loves us unconditionally. It's a great feeling, frankly. But I think like... What were we talking about? Webtoons? Webtoons. We love it. Might we recommend Laura Olympus, The Doctor and Miss Abbott, Purple Hyacinth. I started reading one called Edith. Mm, loved. That's pretty fun. And then I, I'm reading a semi-scary one called like My Dark Bloody Duke or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like I pooped like a bloody poop. My dark, bloody Duke. <laughs> Duke's of hazard. <laughs> Parenthetical, I just ate beets. <laughs> it's okay. Poop jokes. With that. <laughs> Loosen your stays. But never your principles. Mwah. Mwah. Whoa, golly gee. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Womance. Womance is hosted by Isabeau. That's me. And Morgan, that's me. Production is by Nick Gravelin. Our webmistress is the incomparable Jane Bonzac. And our illustration and logo were created by Mary Reichman. They're the best. If you'd like to follow, creep, or connect with us on our social media platforms, you can find us at mans underscore woe on Twitter, womance on Instagram, or email at womancemail at gmail.com. You can also hang out on our amazing website at womancepodcast.com. You can support us by using our code to visit our sponsors or go to our Patreon where we are Womance. Womance is officially part of the Frog podcast network discover more podcasts just like our own centering on romance and reading at frolic.media slash podcast until next week <laughs>